I'm Father Dennis Strack. And I'm Katie Prejean McGrady. And this is Ave Spotlight. Today on Ave Spotlight, we bring to you a special edition of the show by sharing with you an episode from our other Ave Maria Press podcast, Ave Explores, with Jeannie Gaffigan. Jeannie Gaffigan, the wife of Jim Gaffigan, shares about what it's been like to parent through the COVID-19 pandemic and how to keep the faith alive within her family during these challenging times. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope that you subscribe to Ave Explores, and we hope that you continue to listen to Ave Spotlight. Enjoy. Let's be honest, I had a bit of a panic attack the other day, not for anything too concerning. I mean, yes, I am pregnant, and this baby has been wanting to come early for a while, but it wasn't a panic attack about that. It was more a panic attack just about kind of the the situation, and, and I'm gesturing at everything as I say that, the world, the conversations that are happening, sometimes the civic and social unrest, the lack of civic dialogue, but, but truthfully... I was stressed about my husband going back to work and my daughter and I being home together during the day for two weeks before she starts school, which wasn't supposed to be the plan. She was supposed to start school this week as well, but things got pushed back because COVID. And I was lying in bed and I could feel my heart starting to race a little faster and I was starting to sweat and and I, I told my husband, I was like, I need you to turn the fan on high. And, and he said, everything okay? And I was like, yeah, I just I don't feel like I'm going to be able to, to have a handle on everything. And I have so much work that I need to do. And, and I really want Rose to be able to go to school. And I just hope that everybody wears their mask. And I just started to spiral. I'm pretty sure a lot of people that might be listening to this right now have at some point or another in the past few months spiraled maybe had a moment where they were laying in bed and they couldn't turn their brain off or were sitting at a Walmart parking lot waiting to go inside to buy groceries or getting their pickup and beginning to just freak out about the state of the world. This is, of course, not a, a COVID podcast by any means, but it's, it's a relevant to the moment conversation that a lot of us in our family life in the past few months have experienced something that none of us have ever experienced before, unless we happen to have some centenarians listening to this podcast and they lived through the Spanish flu of 1918, but I, I, I doubt that that's our audience. This is entirely new territory. And how we approach it and how we walk through it and how we help our kids and our spouses and ourselves cope with it, it's a day-to-day -day recalibration and resetting. And so as I was thinking about this series that we've crafted on Catholic family life, we thought it was really important to have a conversation with somebody who, well, has been in the trenches just like all of us, living through COVID-19, perhaps in a place where, you know, we know that it hit really hard, New York City. So I called up my friend, Jeannie Gaffigan. You might remember Jeannie Gaffigan was our first guest ever on the Ave Explorer show. She joined us to talk about her book, When Life Gives You Pears, and told the remarkable story of her recovery from brain cancer, um, the two-week-long coma that she was induced into, and, and how she prayed through that medically-induced um, time 
both with her kids and with her husband by her side. And you, of course, know her husband, the comedian Jim Gaffigan, who has numerous specials available on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Jeannie and I uh, got to do a Zoom call just a couple weeks ago, and, and she told me the story of the life of the Gaffigans during the, the height of the COVID-19 pandemic in New York City this past spring. And I love to interview Jeannie. She's always a fun interview. She's always a, a fun lady to talk to because she'll just tell stories. If you think Jim's funny, just spend some time with Jeannie, and, and she's hysterical, telling us about how stressful it was to do distance education, something everybody can relate to, how challenging it was being in an apartment with kids that want to go outside and live their life and see their friends and figuring everything out. Jeannie, of course, being very high risk because of her medical battles not that long ago, so she couldn't go anywhere and was super strict about things. And then, of course, the cancellation of Jim's travel due to the pandemic, so just everything. And she jokes, and you'll hear in this podcast episode, about how she spiraled a few times, but then very quickly learned a very important lesson. And it's a lesson that I think is relevant to all parents to all individuals, whether you're dating, whether you're single, uh, whether you're discerning the religious life or the priesthood, whether you're in the throes of, of marriage or you're blissfully a newlywed or you're somewhere in between, 10 kids, two kids, no kids, whatever situation you find yourself in living family life, Jeannie's advice is poignant. That sometimes we just have to stop trying to control the situation and let it be. Now, Jeannie can say that now on the other side of the height of this pandemic, at least where she is, but many of us are still in the throes of it. The reason I had that panic attack was because in my part of the country, numbers are still rising. My husband is a teacher. My daughter's going back to pre-K-3. I'm about to have a baby. Our entire lives are remarkably affected by what's going on, up to and including the fact that if I get sick or my husband gets sick or my child gets sick, what is birth going to look like with this new child who's coming into the world and can't immediately meet her family and our friends? So I spiraled, and then Jeannie's words kind of popped into my head. You know what? I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to try to control it. Because if we try to control things beyond the capacity that we have, we'll just make ourselves sick with worry and with fear and with frustration at other people and ourselves. God calls us to let go. And there's this cheesy phrase, of course, let go and let God. And, and that's not what I'm trying to say here, some weird prosperity gospel-esque message. But instead, let go and trust. Let go and really pray that, Jesus, I trust in you. Let go and allow my family and allow these circumstances to be in your hands, to control what I need to control, to, to make prudent decisions based off of the information I have, but to also have a, a great measure of trust. Jeannie Gaffigan and her family, I think, are a beautiful snapshot of that. And, and she tells these wonderful stories in this podcast. You're not going to hear a whole lot of me. Uh, Jeannie is, um, she basically gives us a stand-up special, and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation if you enjoy this conversation, of course, and, and you like what we're talking about here in this podcast, you'll love the Ave Maria Press, Ave Explores, Catholic Family Life series, all of the content available over at AveMariaPress.com. You're not going to want to miss it. Click on over to the website. The link is down in the show notes. You can find all of the stuff that we're talking about. The series gets kicked off on August the 19th, so sign up with your email and you'll get everything straight to your inbox starting then. 
But for now, uh, fun and enlightening conversation with my good friend, Jeannie Gaffigan. Well, Jeannie, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me back. It's, um, it's always a joy to get to follow you and to visit you. Uh, for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hopefully everybody's listened to your first episode on Mary a year ago. Um, but who are you? Where are you? What are you doing? Okay, well, um, I'm Jeannie Gaffigan. I um, have five kids, and I, um, I guess my, I'm best known as the wife of comedian Jim Gaffigan, who is like a Shiite Catholic. Um, his words, not mine. Yes. I don't even know if that's an offensive, uh, you know, I'm sure no. I'll get attacked for that, but he calls me a Shiite Catholic. Although, um, I always say to him, I might be a Shiite Catholic, but to someone who's actually a really devout Catholic, I'm probably terrible. Um, because every time I try to start some kind of like Catholic devotion, it just gets derailed. Like the, the best one, um, for me, by the way, I just want to open by saying, 33 days to morning glory. Everyone should do it. Oh yeah. I have my card. Yeah. Every busy mom, 33 days to morning glory. It is like the speed through of like every, like it's actually um, virtually possible to get through the 33 days to morning glory. And um, you back up from a um, day, uh, a Marian feast day. Mm -hmm. So, when you start the uh, 33 days uh, to morning glory, you'll look at where you're at in the next time. So it will give you a little ramp up. Mm-hmm. And usually when you make the decision to do the uh, 33 days to morning glory uh, prayer series, 33 day prayer series, um, you'll be surprised at how like close you are to going 33 days away from some amazing feast. Yeah. And on that day you make your consecration you can do it a million times. Like I've done it before. And I just, uh, you know, I ran into someone who was like, have you consecrated your youth group to uh, Mary? And I'm like, no. And I didn't know, I didn't think of that, you know? So there's always something new you can consecrate. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then on the day of the um, feast day, it's like you get these amazing graces. Mm-hmm. And uh, I totally believe it. Um, okay. So anyway, uh, enough about that. I'm um, just to uh, introduce m- myself. So, um, supposedly Shiite Catholic. To me, I'm really a bad Catholic because I can't like follow through on anything. Um, and um, I have five kids, and um, I in 2017 I had a life-threatening brain tumor, which I wrote a book about called "When Life Gives You Pears: um, The Healing Power of Faith, Family, and Funny People." And it was on the New York Times bestseller list, which was not kind of planned um, because it was like at that time, the other books were all like political or big, huge celebrities. And um, so a a book, especially the New York Times about like faith and family, it's like was really a surprise. And it was the bottom cutoff (laughs) number. So it was like, to me, that would made it even more special because it okay. <laughs> reminded me of like that scene in like Raiders of the Lost Ark, for those of you who are like older like me, uh, when Indiana Jones pulls a hat through the uh, gate before the rock comes down. That That's what the New York Times bestseller list was for me. It was like, whoa, I can't even believe that happened. Um, so meanwhile, um, after I wrote the book, um, maybe some of you have heard 
a global pandemic happened. So um, what kind of occurred to me at that point is that my um, encounter with um, life stopping, uh, which I wrote the book about, was something that prepared me mm-hmm. once again. Um, I was, my heart was being prepared for this moment. Yeah. And I, again, had to relearn a lot of the lessons that I had relearned before and that I had to relearn again. So um, rather than being like, um, I've got it all figured out, I just want to start off by saying that life is a constant reset and setting, uh, resetting boundaries with yourself. And, and uh, as I mentioned before, a perpetual consecration because you're never done. Yeah. You're never done until you're done. Well, and that's, so, I, I um, love that. That's all. Yeah. That's perfect. I mean, that is not, that, that's perfect. You could just, if you could just keep talking, I'm just going to stop asking questions because that it's the perfect life is a constant reset. I think that might be the name of the episode. Um, so you're in New York and it hit you all kind of first because we were quarantined in our apartment for about four months. Mm-hmm. And, um, it just became kind of like apparent that after like most of my furniture broke and like every like iPad in the house was cracked <laughs> that kids need to be outside. So oh, we yeah. made it happen where we found a um, house in the country, mm-hmm. which we're so blessed to have. And there's been a lot of, um, uh, uh, processes to getting to the place where I am today, where I'm able to sort of live in a, uh, the way that I've sort of wanted to live in my heart for the past, like, you know, whatever it's been five, six months. When did this start? I don't remember. It's all a blur of like crumbs and zoom meetings. Yeah. It's <laughs> and, and kids trying to do digital learning. And, um, I mean, Jim's tour got canceled, I'm assuming, um, so just, it was a massive reset for everybody here at the start. Then what's your first piece of advice for every parent who's about to even hit another reset button with figuring out schools and if kids go back, if kids stay home, juggling, working from home, all kids are learning from home, all these hybrid things that could be happening. Just what would, what would be your first word of encouragement to moms and dads who don't know what to do? to single people who are trying to date in the midst of all of this, like what's your encouragement of hitting that reset button? Lower your expectations (laughs) for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's my main piece of advice because no, this is not some kind of test where someone is going to like burst into your apartment and be like, just kidding. It was a pandemic (laughs) prank. Let's see if your floors are clean. Because the whole thing is, is that I felt like the, um, First couple weeks, there was a sense of, okay, I got this, right? I got, this is like, we're, we had to cancel the tour, which meant we had no plans for two weeks and we couldn't leave the apartment. And then of course I'm on like double lockdown because of my lung uh, compromised uh, lungs that happened during the um, recovery from the surgery. Mm-hmm. I have a damaged nerve. So my breathing apparatus is not great and I've been on a ventilator and my uh doctors were like you can't go on a ventilator again it's not gonna work so I was not even allowed to get the mail so I did go on the fire escape you know uh periodically Mm -hmm. for a little bit of uh sun rays and uh fresh air um but I really was like okay this is the whole thing this is kind of a dream come true for me because I can spend time with my family Mm-hmm. my kids will have to step their game up and learn how to do a whole bunch of things that they were too busy 
right? Because they, for some reason, when they went to school, all the little leprechauns that came in and made the beds and did the laundry and, and picked up the garbage in the rooms, they all were on quarantine, right? So either mom was going to be very unhappy being the, you know, full-time, you know, and there was no sitters and helpers and nannies or housekeeper or anyone. You couldn't call anyone, right? Because everyone was locked down. So um, it could either turn into animal house, like instantaneously. That's, I mean, literally my refrigerator, if I don't like tell people, this is the shelf for this, this is the shelf for that. It, in one day, turns into like, you know, it's in like five roommates in a, in a dorm, right? And it's in, it's the whole thing. And you're like, what, how old is this? That's like, it's kind of like, my kids are not like the biggest self-starters when it comes to like organizing, but that's okay. But they also want to be able to eat and have laundry. So therefore, uh, like I said in my book, it's like, it might not be the way you make the bed, but have them make the bed. Just mm-hmm. have them make the bed because it's going to teach them. Even though there might be a sock in the bed and the sheets might be shoved down to the foot and you have to redo it and show them right. and be that mom, it's still really important for them to learn how to make the bed, mm-hmm. right? So um, anyway, so for the first two weeks, it was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. We watched a movie every night. We had dinner uh, at the same time every night. We had it on YouTube, and we invited everyone to join us and dinner with the Gaffigans. And it was um, kind of this really special time. Then school started. <laughs> Digital learning. Digital learning started. And um, although, and I'm so not being critical of the schools, because, but some of the schools had it down better than the others, because my kids went to all different schools. Mm-hmm. So that turned out to be fun. So, or it's uh, certain kids took to it better, but um, one of the things with my um, second and third grader was that there was a morning meeting at 8.30 with all the assignments and kind of a check-in. And then they were off all day. And then there was a 3.30 check-in where they had to present all the work they did. Oh my. And they're in two different meetings, right? So in the meantime, during that two-week period, Jim and I had, you know, started the dinner with the Gaffigans. We realized it was an opportunity to help New York City, and we started a fundraiser, mm-hmm. which got really uh, successful because we have this youth group and this group, this network called the Imagine Society, where we had all sorts of projects going on. So when school started... We were running an organization all of a sudden that was extremely busy, that was really important because it was like delivering like PPE and meals to people who were dying. It was serious. But also what was serious was that the mental health of my family was Mm -hmm. in jeopardy because I was running around like screaming all the time. I was not good. I was like... When the Zoom didn't connect or the, you know, I was like, I was like the Wicked Witch of the West. It was, it was a very dark period of time for me. So in the beginning of the first two weeks of the pandemic, I was all like, I'm going to do a vlog and I'm going to, um, and all my kids are going to be like making their beds every day. And the school thing was 
unbelievably hard mm-hmm. because uh, there, I, I feel like I could do the school thing. I could do the uh, housework and vacuuming and uh, you know making sure the house was running. And I could do the charity thing and I could do the rescheduling the tour thing, but I just couldn't do them all at the same time. Right. So what happened was, is that I would wind up staying up until like two o'clock in the morning. So I mm-hmm. could do everything three o'clock in the morning and then start all over. And then I started to get mentally like, yeah. you know, kind of disturbed because I needed sleep oh, and yeah. I wasn't praying. Right. So the only prayer which saved me, I was doing was please God help me get through this day. Yeah. That was my main prayer. And the, and the grace before meals, which was always, always consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, things like blessed mother help me, you mm-hmm. know, not strangle anyone. I mean, yeah. it was like bad <laughs> prayers, you know, my kids alive. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Keep like, make sure no one like, you know, dies. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and so then at a certain point that whole situation became a little bit more normalized and I started to uh, be able to like do interviews, right? So I started doing interviews where just having the interview on the paper made me remember, oh, wait a minute. This is like one of those moments that I warned everyone was coming in the book. Mm -hmm. It just kind of took me by surprise how uh, poorly I handled it for the first like, two weeks of school. I just, I had no idea. And then I realized that I was trying to be a perfect teacher. Mm-hmm. I was trying to be a perfect housekeeper. I was trying to be a perfect wife and I was failing mm-hmm. at yeah. all. Of them. And so the lesson that I learned was that lower your expectations I started contacting the teachers and being like, look, Michael is doing one science project today. That's That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. He's not going to do the math. He's not going to do all the other worksheets. Mm -hmm. He's going to do one science project and he's going to write about it and he's going to learn and he is going to have a great time with Mm -hmm. his mom who's not going to be like, quick, you you have to, you know, Right. And that's how we're going to handle this. Mm-hmm. And if they get frustrated because mom doesn't understand the math number line or whatever, <laughs> we're just not going to do it. Yeah, no, we'll find a YouTube because video. Because it's, it's not healthy what's happening here. Right. And if the unders the beds don't get vacuumed one day, you know, it's like no one's going to come in with a flashlight. I mean, yeah. what is the... Right. Like, Who's judging us? <laughs> I just started to lower the expectations for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to have a little bit of peace and have time in my life, in my spiritual life, which had been neglected. Yeah. When- so I think that some of those pleas mm-hmm. for help to, a, to the, the people above who are my support team <laughs> started to pay off because I started to learn this myself but it was that kind of still small voice saying genie your house is not going to look perfect you right. can't do all this right yeah and i think that as women and i don't want to alienate any men who are listening to this because it might be 
you know, some men might have been in my position where, mm-hmm. you know, the wife was on the phone in the meetings all day, like Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that speaking for as myself, as a, as a woman, I feel like we put this, we have to have the career, we have to look great, we have to have our, you know, kids in matching clothes and not have holes in their pants and all this stuff. And so one of the things that the Dinner with the Gaffians um, also uh, showed me is that it at uh, 5.30 or whatever, when we would start to like get it together, the kids' hair would not be combed. Mm-hmm. The um, clothes didn't match. I had to be like, did you wear that yesterday? <laughs> and the kitchen wasn't perfectly clean in the background. Yeah. There was it was like being everywhere. with y'all at the house. You know, it was lovely. It, it, and like the whole thing is, is that I think people responded to that because mm-hmm. they were just like, okay, this is like warts and all. Yeah, right. Like normal life. This isn't like dinner with the Kardashians or whatever. No. With the crew <laughs> and the makeup. No. Like, no, this is, we're the crew. Yeah. We're the, you know, we have internet problems. The camera falls off, <laughs> you know, and it's like the whole dinner with the Gaffigan started to be like, whoa, like it's very much, it's similar. I've drawn comparisons to um, the uh, being on the food tube. I don't know if you know that story at all, but I was on oh. a food, I was on a- uh, Oh yes, the, okay. Yes, I was, I couldn't eat. So yeah. I had to have a food peg um after to get out of the hospital because I was getting the nasogastric uh feedings and in order to get out off of that machine I had to get a machine that went into my stomach mm-hmm. which is called a peg tube and it was pretty horrible and <laughs> it was like frustrating and awkward and so my husband decided to make like a funny like YouTube show out of mm-hmm. it and put it on the internet when he would put the uh formula and he would mix it and be like and he'd light a candle and be like tonight we're having a romantic dinner of chickpeas and whatever I remember so what happened was is that all these people turns out are tube fed Mm -hmm. they live that way their kids live that way and there was this unbelievable outpouring of support and gratitude Mm -hmm. from this medical community you know speech and swallow therapists and people who, you know, had some of the same disorders were like, thank you for normalizing this. My life is like this. And I was like, who knew that there was this entire community? So dinner with the Gaffigans is kind of like, we're all in this community Mm -hmm. where we're like these families or individuals that can't go to restaurants. We can't have family dinners. We can't have Thanksgiving when grandma and everything. We just can't. Mm -hmm. And if we do, we're going to be like the states that are experiencing the, the peak right now because right. like people were like, oh, well, it's not going to affect me. And now I mean, My state. Yep. As, <laughs> as, some, as a New Yorker who actually did flatten the curve, like mm-hmm. all the sacrifices we made, like it works. It does. It yeah, works. I wish people would pay attention. New York, there's no doubt that not doing these things helps, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we all could be New York right now. Yeah. And be like, you know, tentatively, safely going mm-hmm. back to school, everything could be opening, but I don't even know what's happening right now. Yeah. So I'm just saying that if anyone's listening to this who has any doubt that quarantining and social distancing works, just look at the New York yeah, statistics. Yeah, just look at, yeah. We did it. Um, 
So anyway, um, then we started doing the dinner with the Gafkins and we found that people, um, whether they tune in once a week or whatever, found it to be a great kind of way mm-hmm. to kind of cope, right? Yeah. So for, and for me, it's really good because it sets a schedule. We have something right. to look forward to. It's not always like, oh, it's always like, oh no, we got to do the show because life doesn't stop. Like right. somebody like, you know, get stung by a bee like five minutes before it starts. <laughs> and I, there's the, you know, the, the, the broccoli is burning in the, you know, it's like there's chaos. Mm-hmm. And then we don't want to start the show. Like our life is a mess. So we have to kind of reset and be like ready to like have grace. So it's, it's kind of set us up with a schedule. Mm-hmm. And so that's the second piece of advice that I'd like to, um, yeah. to share is that um, keeping some kind of a schedule, mm-hmm. I, if we didn't have that show, I'd be like, it'd be 11 o'clock at night and I'd be like, um, did the kids eat? <laughs> because that it's that crazy here. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, I don't know what, because I mean, I went, I mean, I don't know how, if I'm talking too much, but. No, I'm loving this. <laughs> I think our listeners are going to love it too. I think my favorite part about this whole interview was just Jeannie recounting stories and being very honest about the the craziness of the past few months. I think it's super relatable for a lot of people with or without children. We've all kind of been in the throes of chaos and, and family life isn't always clean and family life isn't always neat and tidy and it's not always perfect and that's okay and those stories are worth hearing. To hear a lot more of those stories as well as how families can strive for holiness even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of some chaos, I'd uh, encourage you to go over to AveMariaPress.com to find all of our content that we've created for this Catholic Family Life series where we tell these stories, where we unpack what it means to be a holy family, where we encourage you in your marriage, um, and where we, we talk about discernment and dating and, and what a family can look like. So uh, go check it out at AveMariaPress.com. Okay, so, all right, this is, right, here, this is another fun story about me then setting boundaries again with myself. So, in, like, May, um, Jim's manager was like, you've got to get out of New York. <laughs> you have to get out of New York. It's like, they're, they're, your kids need to go outside. Mm-hmm. Because at a certain point, the walk stopped. Mm-hmm. Like, the doctor was like, walks aren't good. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> like, because the thing is, is that if someone needs to go to the hospital, or God forbid, Jim and I get COVID, mm-hmm. our kids are fine because the kids have the milder cases, and we're both gone. There's no sitter. Yeah. Right? Like, what do we do? We hire a nurse in, in a hazmat suit to come over. I, I have no idea. So, um, so Jim's manager was like, you got to come out. So he was pitching these areas in California that were kind of isolated, mm-hmm. rent a house, have a yard, a pool, like you get, have a studio in your house mm-hmm. that you can broadcast from and um, work because you've got because you you know there's an interest in like yeah. working right. Other a lot of other people get paid when we work right. <laughs> right, right. You need to work. work. They don't get paid yeah. right. So anyway, so we started investigating that, and I was a little bit like, can we wait until school's over? Because I can't like I I feel like my kids, even though um, a lot of people were saying it wasn't working or whatever. 
my kids had a, they liked it. They got, yeah, they, they got liked school. Mm-hmm. They liked going on Zoom and doing their assignments. It was the parents that didn't like it. Yeah. Some teachers. <laughs> but I mean, my kids were into it. Yeah. They wanted to see the faces of their friends. Mm-hmm. It was better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, it connected them. Yeah. It connected them and it gave them activities mm-hmm. and they gave them an opportunity to prove they were smarter than mom because I was like, I don't understand the number line <laughs> in second grade. Like, we didn't have number lines. Yeah. That was nothing. We had like borrow the one. Like, I know how to do that stuff. And then it's kids were like, oh, you don't do that anymore, mom. No, common core is very I was like, you know, 13 take away 26, you cannot do. So you cross up the three and make it a two. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they're like, this isn't the turn of the century. So, um, so anyway, then it became kind of through the grapevine mm-hmm. that Southern California was about to go through hell yeah. again, mm-hmm. right? They looked good mm-hmm. compared to New York, that doorbell. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Okay, no, I'm not. That's I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. It's a pandemic. Who's <laughs> coming to the in. door? Did you hear the? I know. Yeah, I heard it. Who could be there? A pulmonologist was like, "Okay, how are you getting there? How are you getting to California? Mm-hmm. You can't fly, right? No, you can't get on a plane." And then Jim was like, well, what if we did like some kind of like small prop plane with no other people on it? And he's like, what about the pilot? Mm-hmm. Has the pilot been quarantined for 14 days? It's the same air. You're all breathing the You're same all, air. Yeah, that's why I won't get on a plane right now. Yeah. And then it was like, what about, how are you getting, you guys don't have a car. Like, how are you mm-hmm. getting there? Taxi? Like what? Uber? <laughs> Are you renting a car, returning? Like, it's going to be, someone is going to be interacting with someone. You can't, right. mm-hmm. you know, it's risky. Yeah. You are inviting risk into your life. So then we started looking, like, around, like, New Jersey, like, places that were still kind of close enough to, not, like, in the middle of nowhere. Anyway, what ended up happening was we found this, we couldn't find anything that was in the standard places where New Yorkers rent out of town because Mm -hmm. everything was taken because everybody was doing that, right? Right. So there was this little town that we found, undisclosed location, um, that was a few hours away, um, available by car, um, and, uh, you know, like lease a car, mm-hmm. rent a house, and go there. So we started looking, and of course, prices gouging started happening. And I was, I'm, I'm from a situation where I didn't have any money growing up. So mm-hmm. I'm still in that mentality. So I'm always like, what if we're being ripped off, right? Right. And Jim was kind of like, we're in a pandemic. Like, we're going to get ripped off. So then we found this amazing place that was twice as big of land as any other place that we were looking at for half the money. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is a gift from God. So we were like, yay. And then we're like seven other people want it. So then we were like bidding war, right? (laughs) So then we signed in the dotted line and then we found out that it was completely unfurnished because it was not a rental house. It was on, it was for sale. Oh gosh. Then, uh, when the mass exodus from New York started happening, Right. Um, people were like, well, now it's a rental, right? Mm. 
So when you have seven people and you're going to a place with no beds, right? And it's a global pandemic. So like everything's closed. Mm-hmm. Amazon, that's it. That's your option. <laughs> I've been extremely stressed again because <laughs> it, it was all, you know, setting everything up, right? And probably about a week ago, I hit a moment where not only did... um I have like spiritual counseling from a spiritual advisor and uh, started receiving the Eucharist again, which was Praise Jesus. You know, <laughs> that's like a very important thing. Yeah. <laughs> Can't um, survive without it. <laughs> and also in terms of the, uh, I would say the actual like accomplishment of having, you know, beds and towels and a, a peeler, you know, things that you just don't... Yeah, you don't even know. Because, like, yeah. we didn't, like, pack up all of our stuff. Right. We just packed up the basic stuff. Like, mm-hmm. when you rent a house, right, you usually... You, you go in, and there's a closet, and hangers, yeah. and... So, that was extremely stressful. So, um, uh, uh, right now... Oh, and then, by the way, when you move into a place that hasn't been lived in for a long time, like, nothing works, Right. Yeah. So then there's repairs and service and masks and social distancing and kids. Yep. And so it was a very stressful time. So, but this is my third piece of advice. You can cut the rest of this out. Just no, I love it. I love it. Organized. Okay. <laughs> so I spoke to someone and the mantra is it's good enough. Mm-hmm. And I'll think about this tomorrow. Now, that's very difficult for me because I'm not every ounce of my being. Because even with all my prayers and everything like that, I still am who I am. Mm -hmm. I am who, what God made me. I am. Okay. You know how uh, St. Paul would always talk about, like, there's this thorn I have. And we don't know what it was, but we don't. But it's like the thorn for me is who I am. Mm -hmm. Who I am is someone who doesn't want to say, it's good enough. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want to say, I'll take care of that tomorrow. Because there's almost like a, a selfishness, a indulgence mm-hmm. that I have to get everything done. Mm-hmm. To make sure that everything is fixed and everything is perfect. It makes me feel good. It makes yeah. stuff happen. It makes like uh, the same way probably like an alcoholic feels when they have a drink. Yeah, it's a control. So, yeah. Yes. So my mantra needs to be, um, it's good enough, and I'll think about it tomorrow, because that's the thing that I struggle with, mm-hmm. right, is that I will say to myself, I have to finish this today. And what happens is, is that no one around me gets any peace, mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm striving for what I want. Right. Right. Not what is good for my family. Mm-hmm. And right? that's a huge part and of so, family life. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so also I think that um, another thing that I'd, I'd like to um, remind people about is that um, you need to have holy objects in your house. Mm-hmm. For you sure. You have to have them in your line of vision. Yeah. So that will help you reset. Yeah. Like even if they're not blessed. 
right? Because it's hard to get things blessed right now. Obviously, <laughs> all your holy objects should be blessed. And luckily, Patrick, I don't know if you follow what's been going on with Gaffigan family, but Patrick's oh, yeah. first communion yes. was postponed in... Yeah, a lot of times, right? <laughs> it was supposed to be next May. Oh, okay. What happened was... Um, our director of religious ed was like, listen, the church is open. Mm-hmm. It's social distance. Our father and I had a meeting. We think we could do the, um, the first communion. There's only six kids in the class. Oh yeah. On CCB. Um, and we do the first confession and first communion same day. So we did this big trip to New York city. Old St. Patrick's, the old St. Patrick's. Old St. Patrick's. Yeah. And when um, Tony, the director of religious ed, pitched the dates to me, one of them was the 26th of July, which is Jim and my wedding anniversary, and also oh. the feast day of St. Anne and St. Joachim, yes. the patron of parenthood, Mary's parents. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's the day, because what better gift mm-hmm. for anniversary than your kid receiving First Holy Communion? Because mm-hmm. it's saying, we did this, it. <laughs> we did it, right? Yeah. And Patrick's the youngest, I mean, we right? did it uh, so far. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, that was really uh, wonderful, really wonderful. And um, luckily, I remembered, because um, this is where I was going with this, that Patrick got a lot of gifts from his, um, his teacher. He mm-hmm. got a rosary. He got a little, a maths book. Um, he got a brown scapular. And um, there was one other thing. Oh, it was a, a, a little cross that hang on the wall with the act of contrition on it. And Patrick oh. loves to memorize. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really great. So luckily, I was so peaceful. Because when you're peaceful, you remember things, mm-hmm. right? When you're stressed, you forget everything. And, the you know, you leave the tea kettle on and there's no more water in it when you get back <laughs> so um it is scorches and it's terrible you have to go get another one on amazon and you waste some money okay so i remembered that i needed those objects blessed by the priest mm-hmm. so i was able to get all of that surplus yeah and i also had my holy oil and holy water in the house when you go to a new house you should bless the house but i believe that having holy objects around your house resets mm-hmm. i see one in the your background but oh I'm, yeah they're they're everywhere yeah i moved so you don't see mine but like <laughs> let me just pivot sh- slowly over here oh no i, I love what you're and saying i mean just to got, mentally reset we have. Oh, There's who's there. that in the background <laughs> right that's awesome right so anyway um I have another uh, story, if you don't mind. Of course. Okay? There's like, we're basically on a farm, but a non-working farm. It's a lot of like, be- a huge backyard and all this stuff. Are the kids loving it? They love it. Mm-hmm. But they also are kind of traumatized from being in the apartment for four yeah. months. They're city so kids. A lot of times, like for the first like three weeks, they didn't want to go outside. Mm. It wasn't like, yay, maybe the first day they were kind of like, yay, a trampoline and a, you know, there's like a four foot pool, which they're in all the time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> not like an Olympic pool, but it's still beautiful and a little, uh, you know, cooling place. It's just beautiful. So we're so blessed. But 
they were like scared of bugs. They were, they wanted to sit inside and be on the iPad all day long. Right. They were like, and I was like, this is why we left. Yeah. I'm like during the second wave when we're quarantined again, you could sit here. All, all you can do is sit there. Right yeah. <laughs> like right now the sun is shining. The birds are chirping. The chipmunks are running around. Like it's like a menagerie bunnies. Mm-hmm. It's like so amazing. So anyway, there's, I don't know what, if any faith, the people who live, you know, lived here, um, who own the house, like are of, um, I saw a little, maybe a pet, little baby place where a pet died. There's a little, not, not no holy objects, like a little mm-hmm. uh, plaque or something like a stone. It means something to someone. Yeah. So I realized here we have these like little, like grottos and they need some holy outdoor statues in it. So I went on like the Catholic company.com, right? <laughs> Comparison price shopped. Yeah, found some stuff. And so I ordered a little statue of Jesus in the garden with children, which is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And a I wanted to get a Madonna and Child one because I, I like the idea of my kids growing up and seeing Mary holding a baby, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? But any Mary is good, right? So I got Our Lady of Grace because it was the fastest shipping, right? Because it's like, I don't know if you've been shopping lately, but it'll be like shipping 12 to 14 weeks. You're like, no, no, Mary needs to get here now. (laughs) I don't need the right Mary. I need the right now Mary. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, but it, so of course it's the perfect, perfect one. I have a little nook. So anyway, it's on its way. And so Jim buys because uh, now Jim is venturing out and going to the nursery to get plants and mulch and things like that. Because that's the next. That's the next show we need, right? Dinner with the Gavigans, gardening with the Gavigans. Yeah. Well, no. It literally he could do a whole gardening show. We might even <laughs> actually start to do that if we could get some good Wi-Fi around here. Yeah. There's bells going off everywhere. I have no idea what's happening. It's it's Mary. She's talking to us. <laughs> okay. Well. All right. All right, I'm going a little bit over time here. So you're good, um, you're good. We can round right. it out with the, the gardening stuff. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. Okay. So long story short, um, he plants five sunflower seeds around where Mary's gonna go. Five sunflower so, uh, not seeds, uh already sprouted flowers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna put Mary right in the middle of my five children my little sunflowers right and like this one is jack and this one is and mary's gonna watch over everyone they're gonna grow so meanwhile right before mary arrives the bunnies and the squirrels there would eat all the sunflowers because apparently they taste as delicious as sunflower seeds i believe it so we go out there and it's all like a stem a broken like they partied (laughs) Like there's a bunch of like drunk chipmunks lying around somewhere under a bush. (laughs) And so I'm like, really? So Mary comes, she's great. I stick her in the thing. I can also, I'll send you a photo so you can flash to it. I don't know if you're. Yeah, I can put that in the links. Yeah. Yeah. Or a a flat, a solid. I'll, I'll give you a couple. So she looks a little bit lonely with no flowers around her because that's like Mary, (laughs) you put her in the flower garden, right? Yeah. Jesus is fine with the kind of like with the, you know, more of the, uh, you know, desert, right? (laughs) But Mary, you need to put her in the flower garden. So in the front of the house, 
there is a bush, a hydrangea bush, beautiful hydrangea. Mm-hmm. So I clip five hydrangeas and I put little cups in front of Mary and I stick five hydrangeas in front of Mary, right? And meanwhile, the squirrels in them, they don't eat the, the hydrangeas and they look great. So anyway, I'm like, okay, great. Mary's got her flowers. So the next day, I'm in the front of the house next to the hydrangea bush, watering like I always have to. Yeah, I got water or they die. And I look over and there is a white lily never was there before. Oh, wow. Wow. White lily plants sprung up overnight. And I had to go get all my kids because they watered the day before. And I'm like, you guys, tell me I didn't just not see those white lilies. Like white lilies are like Mary's flower, right? Yeah, yeah. And like, I was there. <laughs> I was like, did I walk over to the white? Like, or was there like a shriveled up, you know, cause there might've been a plant, but I'm like, I drove, I drove the hose around mm-hmm. and I walked through this path. So if something was there, I would have walked on it. I would have mm-hmm. known it. So to me, I mean, if, if I told, I told Jesse that if they had sprung up in front of the Mary statue, I would have been on the phone with Rome. I would have <laughs> called the Pope and I would say, okay, we got a miracle here. Yeah, the miracle of the gas. There's some wiggle room because some, like, you know, prankster could have like, snuck in and planted a lily or something. I don't know. There's wiggle room. Right. But there's lilies where there was no lilies. That's pretty cool. So it's not only is Mary in the garden, and it's reminding me that I have to do my mantra and say it's good enough. I'll mm-hmm. think about it tomorrow because right now, <laughs> I have to go teach Patrick how to ride a bike. Exactly. Right? That's the whole thing. That's the next thing on the calendar. Right? And as a matter of fact, you'll be happy to know that in normal times, when I would have had to travel somewhere to do a podcast or come back to my office mm-hmm. or whatever, um, I would not have been able to just jump from actually teaching Patrick how to ride a bike down a hill This uh, at Right before this podcast, right, I was ten minutes before I was outside with my my kids. Yeah. So I mean, even though we're suffering, there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of economic suffering. There's a lot of people suffering health wise right now. Mm-hmm. We're separated from our families. There's a lot of suffering. Kids events are canceled. There's a lot of suffering right now. Mm-hmm. Think about as I end this podcast. Think about. Everyone who's listening, how is God addressing you personally? Mm-hmm. What is it that has been positive mm-hmm. out of this experience for you? It's very easy for us to list all the negative things that happen to us, right? right? But what is something personal for you? Not like the skies are bluer in Beijing, <laughs> but like what personally happened yeah. in your life where something might have gotten pruned out of your heart? Mm-hmm. Or something happened in your life where you made a connection or, you know, you, you figured out mm-hmm. because God is speaking to you through suffering, through tragedies, through all of our suffering. We're all being united because everyone is suffering from the poorest to the richest, mm-hmm. the, the, the person on this end of the earth to this person. In a different way, 
but it's uniting us as human beings. Mm-hmm. It's uniting all religions yeah. as being humbled. We're yeah. being humbled and mm-hmm. we're being united. But what is your personal message that you're getting from this pandemic yeah. that's making that. you better? Yeah, I love that. Well, the, I mean, all of that advice, the setting the boundaries, lowering expectations, um, <laughs> you know, it's good enough. We're just, we're going to live with it today. It's all, you're very wise. And thank you for sharing that wisdom of parenting through a pandemic, of marriage through a pandemic. Um, where can we find you, Jeannie? Where can we follow you? Where can we buy your book? You can buy the book wherever books are sold. I would suggest that your social existence, I'm not going to yeah. send you out into the, Online. the hospital <laughs> gift shop right now. Um, uh, wherever books are sold, you can get um, When Life Gives You Pairs. Um, you can, um, I have not been very active on social media lately, but I'm, I'm, um, uh, I may be, um, soon when I start posting about Jim's garden. Yes. Um, but every night at six o'clock Eastern time, you can join my family for a crazy big, uh, family dinner and hair is not always combed. Um, things are not always cooked right, but we'll always say the Catholic grace prayer. Yes. So come over for dinner every night I love the it. Week. you're I love all it. welcome we had so we watched an episode the other night and then we sat down and watched the new special pill tourist and i was like i'm getting all my gaffigan time in this week so it was a um i feel like i'm hanging out with you guys thank you all for taking the time for sure thank you so much Thanks for inviting me on your podcast. On the day that Jeannie and I recorded that episode, I, uh, I walked back into my living room after we were done, and um, it was a wreck. I mean, toys everywhere, and the TV was still playing a Daniel Tiger episode, and I had no idea where my husband and daughter were, and I was starting to feel myself get a little frustrated because it was like, you couldn't pick up after yourselves before you went and did something else, and I searched the whole house. They weren't here. Uh, my husband uh, had decided that because I'd basically been in my office that whole morning just buckling down and, and I had interview after interview that particular day, um, that he ran out with our daughter and went and picked up Chick-fil-A as a treat for lunch. And he got back and I, I was almost kind of mad at myself that I had gotten mad about the mess. And then Jeannie's words popped back into my head. It's good enough for now. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Tomorrow, in this case, was just like a few hours later. We, we cleaned up the rest of the house. Don't worry. We didn't live in filth the rest of the day. But I think what she shares, and, and what I love about Jeannie, is that having a conversation with her is, is just listening to her tell stories about her five kids and their reality and, and what they've gone through and, and what's been easy and what's been challenging and what's been, what's been fun and, and what they've learned. And I think the big takeaway from this particular series of stories that she shared is that when we are present to our families and when we recognize that it doesn't have to look perfect, it doesn't have to be crystal uh, clear and or shiny. Um, let's just, you know, sit down and be together, even in the midst of a pandemic. Let's let's make it work with what we have. Let's appreciate and enjoy one another's presence. That a lot of good can come from that. A lot of growth can come from that. A lot of desire to be closer to the Lord and closer to one another can come from that. And that's a, that's a real gift. That's a, a, a joy. I would say that that's kind of one of the main elements and aspects of Catholic family life. 
Starting next week, we will be diving into this topic of Catholic family life even more. We'll be looking at families and and what makes a family and and what does a family need to do and how can we keep our kids Catholic and what does it look like to discern whether or not you want to date somebody or marry somebody, what fruits and, and, and gifts can come from the single life, whether it's a temporary or a permanent state within someone's life. Uh, how can we encourage our children to discern and think about their vocations? This entire series, as always, is one that we've loved to create, but it, it, it's come out of a place where I think all of us that have had a hand in developing it have really appreciated our own families more as we've crafted this content. I'd encourage you to go over to AveMariaPress.com. You can sign up to get all of this content. I've got the link down in the show notes. The emails will start on August the 19th. You'll find articles and videos, Facebook Live recordings, where we have awesome conversations with guests in real time. So kind of like this podcast on a video feed, I think you'd really enjoy journeying with us through this series and looking at the varied ways that a Catholic family is a family. Of course, as always, we'd be grateful for a rating and a review of this podcast. You can just scroll on down in your Apple Podcast app. Give it five stars if you love it. We'd really appreciate that. And share it with your friends and subscribe so you can get all of our episodes. We also want to tell you we have a new Ave Maria Press podcast. It's called Ave Spotlight. Look it up. The link is also down in the show notes. It's a weekly 20-minute show with myself and my good friend, Father Dennis Streck. Um, where we give hot takes and have quick interviews. So that's Ave Explorers, Ave Maria Press, Ave Spotlight. Thanks for tuning in, friends. We'll talk to you next time. Ave Spotlight is a podcast from Ave Maria Press. You can find all of our episodes over at AveMariaPress.com. Click on the free resources button and you'll find our webpage, as well as subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Since this is a fairly new podcast, we are hopeful and, and grateful um, for reviews that our listeners will give it to help more folks find the show um, and listen to these Monday morning conversations between uh, a priest and a mom about what's going on in the world and topics relevant to faithful everyday Catholics. You can also find our other Ave Maria Press podcast, Ave Explores, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as well as the Ave Maria Press website. Our current series for Ave Explores on Catholic family life can be found also at AveMariaPress.com, where you can register for the weekly emails and all of the content that we're creating. As always, we're grateful for all that you do and how you support Ave Maria Press, especially by listening to these shows that we are creating. We hope you have a great week.